0: Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens.
1: I'm Christina Roberts.
0: I'm Chris Roberts.
1: I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. We are continuing our podcast series where we explore words or phrases that you often find in contemplative circles but may not exactly know what they mean. And so today's topic is, what is ecumenism? Here at Boundary Spiritual Center, one of our guiding values is ecumenical engagement. And I am grateful today to have a guest on our podcast who has both a passion and expertise around this question. Reverend Carrie Parker is the executive director of the Wisconsin Council of Churches, and she literally spends her time promoting ecumenical work. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Carrie, as we begin, I wonder if you can give us maybe a simple definition of what is ecumenism and why does it matter? Sure.
2: So ecumenism is the principle or practice of promoting visible unity among the world's Christians. Sometimes we might use the word cooperation instead of unity, but we're ultimately getting at the same thing. That. There's a lot we don't agree on, but there's still a lot we can do
3: together. Nice. And as we start to talk about this, and I have to tell people, ecumenism is a word I have to practice saying. It does not flow right off the tongue. <laughs> but in what ways did ecumenism draw you closer to God? How have you found that it draws you closer to others? What is your story and how all of this interacts in your life? It's funny. I call myself
2: an Accidental ecumenist. I did not set out to do this work. So I call it one of those Holy Spirit accidents. It's, Oh, this is the thing you're doing. Thanks for prepping me for this. When I was a high school student and we were having a service of confirmation to celebrate taking on in adulthood, the promises of being a Christian. I ended up being the person in our class who preached the sermon for our class. And I ended up with the text from first Corinthians 12, the parts of the body, hand, foot, arm, eye, nose, whatever, and celebrating all of these gifts. And little did I know later in life that I would end up not just being part of a Christian denomination that took this idea of uniting the church seriously, but then taking on work beyond the local church that meant taking that promise seriously and taking that scripture seriously of, hey, you know that nose over there, it has a gift. That elbow, that Worships money, it's part of the body too. Uh, That big toe, hey, you may not love it, but it's part of you. So I make these jokes all the time about this scripture, but it's really fundamental to my understanding of how we're all connected and we're all parts of the body, all parts of the body of Christ, all together in the church. And so my job is great. I get kicks and giggles all the time because I get to go around the state of Wisconsin. I get to go around the city I live in and visit all sorts of different churches that aren't necessarily the one I grew up with. And I get to see the parts of the body that have great music, great singing, great preaching that are much better than the tradition I grew up in at extemporaneous prayer that you haven't written down in advance. Folks who have a much more formal tradition than mine. Uh, Folks who are much more informal. Folks who are much better at celebrating people who are new to Christian life. And I get to come back and look at my own tradition with new lenses. Holy cow, closer to God and others, I would not have dreamed How much more ecumenical life made me appreciate my own tradition and connect to
1: God in new ways every day. Harry. what you're describing is obviously so expansive in the opportunity to to experience and to see from different faith traditions. I'm curious, earlier in your definition, you mentioned making visible that cooperation or that unity. Are there ways that you see, like maybe expound on that a little bit more? Do you see invisible ways that you're trying to make visible or maybe unpack that a little bit more for us? Cause I find that interesting.
2: There are invisible connections between churches. There are all of these ecumenical agreements on paper that let a minister from one tradition serve in another tradition um, or make it easy for us to say, One church is affiliated with multiple traditions. And that matters very much at levels in the church hierarchy that folks in the pews every day don't necessarily see. Folks in the chairs every day don't necessarily see. But that belongs to a part of ecumenical life that's called faith and order. And it's part of what helps people who are worried about losing their identity when they're in ecumenical relationship feel comfortable that it's okay to do this because we're still ourselves. This other group is still themselves, and we're very clear on who we are and what we're bringing to this relationship, even as we both know we're part of the wider body of Christ. So it's just one example of the invisible at the everyday level becoming much more visible through these relationships. I think another example then is because we have these connections, we can say, let's imagine more broadly how we can do something together in the community. and. You might see a situation where there is a common need. You have multiple churches dealing with transportation needs in the community, or people who need gas cards, for example, or need car repairs. Because they've established a common understanding together, they're able to act visibly together in the community to meet this need. Maybe they create a common fund that they can all draw on, or they have a pool of volunteers that set up an office that everybody can go to. And that becomes the life and work part of ecumenism, the justice part of ecumenism, where people say, how are we doing Jesus' work in the world together?
0: I love the, the examples that you gave, Carrie. I think they're very helpful. I also appreciate you mentioning some of the ways that we can be tribal. I think this is my group, and I have an identity around that, touching on how do we cross identity boundaries and barriers. What are steps that one can take to begin engaging across Christian traditions and experiences other than the one that you mentioned? What have you seen working with ecumenism?
2: If you are a a lay person listening to this and you are not committed to preaching in your church's worship service, then you've got a lot of freedom to visit because you're not obligated to be in that service as a worship leader. So I might say, make a commitment to worship with another community on a periodic basis, right? Right. Our staff has done that, and they've said, we're going to visit each other's worship services from time to time. Angela on our staff is a big proponent of this because this is how we build community among ourselves. So a staff member in the AME has said, the African Methodist Episcopal Church welcomes you and So you let me know when you can come, and the folks from the CA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, have said, hey, I, this is the church I go to, and you're welcome to come worship with me anytime, and I will sit with you and make you welcome. And so if you have a friend who goes to church, ask if you can go to church with them, if they go to another church, or pick a church in your neighborhood and just walk in the door. I promise you people are actually really kind for all the stereotypes of church people. We can be really kind. And even if somebody says you're sitting in my pew, they're still really kind. Visit worship. Step in early. Arrive a little bit early so you can pick up the worship guide, the songbook or the prayer book. Leave through it and get a sense of who these people are, what they care about, what are their songs, how are things organized, and settle in so you're not arriving in a panic and looking around thinking, what do I have to do next? Just that simple step is an easy beginning. Now, if you're a clergy person, if you're a worship leader, it might be a little trickier Because you have weekly or more often obligations. And so you may have to find something that doesn't conflict with your regular obligations. But it's still possible. And you can even do things like arrange pulpit swaps with people. If you're looking for something, I am also your friendly neighbor who will help you find something that doesn't conflict. So you can always find us at wichurches.org. and. Either I'll help or a member of our staff will help you to navigate those things. So you do have a chance to visit and check it out.
1: Yeah. Listening to you talk reminds me of um, when I was in high school and I grew up Greek Orthodox and I was invited to a non-denominational charismatic church. And I walked in and I thought, this is the craziest thing I have ever seen in my life. People were raising their hands and crying. And on the one hand, I was like put off by that because it was so different from my tradition. But on the other hand, there was something compelling of, wow, like these people are singing songs in a different way that feels so deep and sincere. That's so different from my faith tradition. And so I was in the service just having this inner tension within myself of, this is so different than my tradition. And there's this resistance, but this drawing at the same time. And so I think again, going back earlier to that expansiveness. And we talk a lot about this on the podcast, right? In the contemplative world and really trying to own sometimes those tensions that are within us. But from that, really exploring, okay. And it, it took me a while, right? Because I was in high school and maybe wasn't as in tune with myself <laughs> um, as I am as an adult, but getting reinvited back to those services and allowing myself to open up to things that were very different from my faith tradition, but Offered me such a different picture of God that I really needed in that time of life. so I really appreciate you as naming one of those on Rams Carrie.
2: I think too, we forget that beginner's mind as an adult. In our teen years, we're so embedded in that learning environment because it's been being directed at us in our spiritual context, in our academic context, in just simply those baby steps of working towards being an adult. And then once we begin adulting, although a lot of us are still working at that, right? We, we lose that knack and we just get in this rut with our behaviors. And to remember that exposing ourselves to new things can help us gain a greater appreciation for the things we already have. I had a similar experience when I was in high school. Our high school youth group visited many different houses of worship. We went to a friend's meeting house. And so we had an hour of unprogrammed meeting and we sat in silence. That was a big challenge for our very active youth group, but it was also a wonderful experience. Recently, I had an opportunity to attend Orthodox worship. Now, to go from worship where my folks will be looking at their watch if we are not done in an hour to a tradition that Christina is nodding her head here as we're recording, uh, to a tradition where we are in it for multiple hours, that's a big switch, but it's also more embodied. Worship doesn't end at the head. It There is more contemplation to it. All of those things are good reminders that the way I worship is not the way Christians always have worshipped and all do worship. The family of Jesus is bigger.
3: I'm thinking through the various different types of experiences I've even had recently because right? we lived in Boston for many years, moved back to Marshfield started exploring churches so our kids got thrown into the deep end with they were used to church that had a projection screen and everything that you needed was up there to like a printed bulletin your part is in bold go and we like taught them in real time but then i've i've preached in different places um since coming here as well and i've even had to stop in the middle of the service and be like i'm sorry (laughs) who does the offering i don't know the protocol. And no one told me ahead of time. It's, I think you're doing such a great job of naming some of the challenges that can come up when we want to reach out beyond ourselves. But there are a lot of unknowns, like, am I sitting in someone's spot? What is the format here? Are there other challenges that you have in mind that are maybe like barriers or things to think about ahead of time? I One of the
2: challenges, and when I talk about things that divide us, you know, one of those is practices around Holy Communion or Eucharist, whatever we call it in different traditions. And some of those feel like they exclude to some folks and to others, they feel as if they make it more special, more holy or even are more protective of people's soul. They have to do with matters of, again, theology and order. And navigating those moments, whether it's about right practice or right belief, in order to be a a polite stranger in someone else's home, uh, someone else's faith home, I think it can feel... And awkward as a guest, and to recognize that as a guest, your job is not to go in there and make a point. You hear all the capitals and exclamation points there. Your job is to perceive what's happening, and you can digest it and talk about it and write about it later if you want to. But it's not to break apart someone else's ritual in the moment. It's to let it be what it is. There's a principle in ecumenism that's called mutual admiration and mutual admonition. Those two things go together. When you're visiting worship or engaging in a shared ministry, it's not time for the mutual admonition part, right? It's not time to say, this thing is destructive to the body of Christ, or this thing is a theological misunderstanding. You'll leave
1: that for the discussion table (laughs) and you just take the moment for what it is. I appreciate you saying that, Carrie, because I I do think that there's unfortunately we live in Dane County, uh, Chris and I and Carrie, Christina's in a different part of the state, but um, we do have a lot of opportunities, thankfully, for ecumenical engagement. And of course, on our online offerings, Christina's meeting with people all over the country with some of our online offerings. And so we do have those opportunities. And I think those relationships, those one-on-one conversations, it's the, hey, I didn't understand this about how you approach faith or theology and having those one-off conversations or those small group conversations and discussions feels like that safe place where you can really massage out some of those things. But you're right, when we're in the space together doing the thing, whether it's the justice work or a shared worship service, things like that, that is the time of just what can I appreciate about my brother and sister? What can I appreciate about the elbow, even if I'm a an ear? <laughs> to to use your scripture earlier. So I really appreciate you naming the different levels. Along the lines of, and again, I do, of course, I live here and I'm so grateful for what does go on here. One of the opportunities that we have coming up here in a few weeks is an ecumenical Thanksgiving service. And if you're not local, we want to share anyway about this, just because I think hopefully it can inspire other communities. We know we have listeners from all over the place. And So Carrie, maybe share a little bit about the Ecumenical Thanksgiving service. And then if someone's listening that's from here, of course, we'll have a link in the show notes. But if someone's not from Wisconsin, but is really inspired and thinks, gosh, I would love to begin taking steps towards ecumenism. What are some steps that I can take? So maybe you can take both of those of what we're doing here in Madison. And then for those that aren't local, what they might want to do.
2: I think this is a phenomenal
1: example of faith communities coming
2: together for a singular event. That doesn't involve an ongoing commitment, and it's a test-the-waters kind of thing. This is an example of a second annual. Woo! We did it once. It went well. Let's do it again. Last year, we had this the week before Thanksgiving, and we're repeating it. An ecumenical Thanksgiving service on Monday, November 20th starting at 6.30 p.m. at Skiddy Church here in the Madison area. And the example we have is we had a really excited layperson in the Catholic Church who got together with others and said, we think we need a chance for people of many different traditions to worship together. And so he connected with evangelical churches. He connected with historically black churches. He connected with Protestant churches and convened a planning meeting. And next thing, we have an array of leaders from all of these different traditions. Last year, we filled quite a large sanctuary. And it was an amazing evening. And we were all worshiping together. We managed to do it. No one was hurt in the process. And people left feeling this was wonderful. We collected food for people who were in need of food. We had a wonderful reception afterwards. And so we're doing it this year again. So again, it's Monday, November 20th, beginning at 6.30 p.m. at City Church. The plan is not to stream it because we want people to actually encounter one another in physical space. Um, we understand that streaming is an opportunity for people to connect for certain things. And we hope you do take that opportunity in other spaces. But for this particular event, it's not being offered.
1: Carrie, thank you. And I know I'm just going to say this because I think I know you, but Carrie is a resource. And so whether you're in the state of Wisconsin or beyond, if you're inspired by this and want to know, hey, I'm curious about this, can we have a conversation around how I can foster more ecumenical engagement? Is it okay if we I'm speaking out of turn here, but can we share that, Carrie? I'd just like to reach out to Carrie. It's at the Wisconsin Council of Or, Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I have time dedicated in my schedule to
2: visit with churches, visit with pastors, visit with community groups that want to foster that kind of local cooperation. Whether whether it's just in general, we want to begin those relationships or whether someone has specific projects in mind. But we also have on our staff people whose attention is on innovation, is on justice, is on community health. And if there's a niche that is a really good fit for you, we may say, oh, you know what? Brianna or Dan or Ian knows a whole lot more than me, and we may connect you to somebody who's more fabulous than I am.
1: Well, Carrie, thank you so much. This conversation was wonderful, and we really appreciate you sharing both your expertise, but also clearly your heart for ecumenism. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great to be with you. And now is the part of our podcast where we talk about what we are into this week. So what are we into? I am into pruning
3: the trees. It has been a few years since we moved in and it got to the point where some of the branches were like hitting us in the head. So now we have a pole saw and the shears that take two hands and the ones that just go in the hand, which I really like to call magic scissors, but we don't give them to the children because that's how magical they are. But if I thought, The ones you need two hands for are magical. Boy, did I not understand just how magical pole saws are. Like The things and how easily they go up into the tree where you cannot be. And now the trees look really beautiful and you can mow under them. I'm feeling very excited about my array of pruning shears.
0: Nice. I am into gratitude for my latitude and longitude. I recently got back from a trip to Texas and that was late September and I could not believe how warm it was. It was so like in the nineties in late September, it was just a shock to my body. And so I've returned and I love the air streams of my current location, which is in uh, central Wisconsin. So I have so much more gratitude around cooler temperatures, around the changing of seasons. So I'm into weather-related things and love it.
1: Yes. Fall and crisp air seem to go together more than sunshine. So I agree with you there. So I'm going to be cliche because it is fall here and I am into all things pumpkin. So Recently had this really yummy pumpkin chocolate chip bread at a local cafe. Loved it. I've been getting out the pumpkin, all the pumpkin things. So I love all things. Pumpkin spice. Trader Joe's now has their pumpkin selection. I talked about Trader Joe's, I think, in a previous podcast, but bought some canned pumpkins the other day just for all of the pumpkin goodness. So that is what I am into. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, make it a great week.
0: If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.